time once again for another episode of Georgia Business Radio. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host, Rich Casanova. All right, we are locked and loaded for another exciting episode of the Georgia Business Radio Show on the Pro Business Channel studios here in Atlanta. And uh, we have a distinguished guest here joining us from the Metro Atlanta Chamber. Quite a uh, robust bio here. We would read it, but we run out of time for conversation. Yeah, I've heard it before. <laughs> You've heard it before. Nice. So Tom Cunningham, he's a senior uh, vice president, chief economist at the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce here in Atlanta, following a 30-year career at the Federal Reserve. You probably have a lot of stories you can share and not share on that regard, right? It was an interesting time. Uh, yeah. the, the financial crisis was challenging. Yeah, what era was that you covered? I came right out of graduate school wow. in uh, 85 and uh, spent 30 years there and retired and right. then uh, was drafted by the Metro Atlanta Chamber <laughs> right. to come and do good things for the metro area. They have That's a way of I'm doing that. Do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're good. Yeah. Yes, it's a lot of fun. So you've traveled quite a bit with job, career, school, and so forth. And um, so right out of the gates, uh, when we were looking at your bio, I, I couldn't believe it. But uh, not only a uh, native of Reedley, California, which, and I spent about 10 years in Fresno. That's just up the road, right? Yes. And then... Um, That's just up the road. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> On uh, 99, That's right? where you go to dinner. Yeah, or let's <laughs> right. say out there on the night, uh, yeah. I-99, yeah. yeah. But what's interesting is uh, Fresno State. So I spent some time at Fresno State, and apparently you did as well. Yeah, I did my undergraduate there. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so go we, Bulldogs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go FSU Bulldogs. Uh, yeah, was, Right. We were talking about before we went on the air, I have a uh, Bulldog hat that says FSU Bulldogs. Really confuses people here in the South. And when <laughs> Fresno State was doing very well, yeah. the uh, College World Series, right, yeah. I wore all my Fresno regalia all over the Southeast when I was at the Fed. and. Right. People had no idea what know, was right. going on. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So good times there. So we'll talk. Yeah. We may have crossed paths. We may have been there at the same time. But besides that, so you went on after Fresno State to PhD in at Columbia. Yes. Spent six years in in New York City. Met my wife, who's also an economist. Oh, really? Uh, well, yeah, that's she's a, a, interesting dinner co- a, dinner conversation. Uh, yeah. That's one way of looking at <laughs> yeah. it. Yes. Our kids are interesting. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So speaking of kids, uh, so what's their career path? Where are they at? Their stage uh, in life one now. Of them one of them, my daughter, is at Penn State. Okay. Uh, she is a fencer. Uh, really? Yeah. For what it's worth, Atlanta is a center of women's saber fencing. That uh, there's an amazing coach here. Uh, he is a dominant player and has established a dominant club. And so, yeah, she was on the U.S. national team. Traveled. Wow. Uh, all over the place. And now she's at Penn State. But this is a hub for um, little known fact or trivia, right? Yeah, saber fencing, particularly uh, women's saber. And my son is doing IT in a company in Douglasville. Okay. Uh, he went through Emory a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, and not surprisingly, a, a math econ dual major. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And you and spent some time at Emory as well. Yes. Yeah. It all I, comes I full there, circle. Um, on an you didn't basis. teach him at any point. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, and he will tell you that quite explicitly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. So that brings us a little up to speed on a bit of your background. And again, we'll post the remaining information on our show notes and so forth. So now fast forward before we get into the economy, the national employment situation. Talk to us about the MAC as, as it's known here in Georgia, the Metro Atlanta Chamber, uh, really the Mac Daddy of Chambers. Uh, what is it, 20 some odd, 27 counties, or how many? Uh... Yeah, we're in the 29 county metropolitan area, the wow. MSA. 
we're not kind of a typical chamber of commerce, although, of course, those are our roots. We're heavily engaged in policy and business development. Right. We're promoting the, the metro Atlanta area. You know, we have a, a very aggressive program that's been cranked up recently called Choose ATL. Yeah. That is bringing... Uh, Kate, really, Kate Atwood. Shout yeah, out Kate to Kate Atwood and, you know, the Thea online streaming videos. Yeah. Uh, that all of this stuff is designed to kind of make the business climate in the metro region as inviting as possible. Yeah, shout out to Kate. We have a bit of a history that shared in her original venture, her nonprofit, had a similar personal life experience of what what she, you know, brought to that community. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually back in the back in the day when I was a mobile DJ, DJed her first uh, music for music at her first uh, fundraiser event. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So we've yeah. known each other for a while and then yeah. uh, it's amazing what she's done with uh, Choose Atlanta, yeah, right. ATL. So it is a, a different dynamic than uh, I hate to say your typical chamber, but not only the um, the deltas and the Home Depots and so forth, but I like the interesting perspective of I don't know when they made this pivot a bit of a new you know nuance but from uh, membership to uh, considering the members investors I can't really address that because it happened before yeah, yeah. I arrived there right. but but that is true I think it's I, a and great, I think I think it's a perfectly reasonable yeah. view of, of yeah. what's going on because you feel I mean literally figuratively invested in that organization well it's an investment in the vibrancy right. of the metro area right I think that's that's a fair characterization and that comes from a chief economist yeah well <laughs> you know we're concerned about a, a thriving economy, and that's what we're engaged in creating well, and, that, and sustaining. Well, that's a good um, segue then. So uh, speaking of our economy in Georgia, and we'll talk about national as well, but in terms of uh, Georgia economy, what are our challenges? Uh, we, 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 a lot, we hear a lot of praises and how amazing what's going on, so we'll talk about that, obviously. Where's, area we can, where's areas we can improve in, but what, what are our challenges? Well, business climate is always a problem, that the ability to kind of maintain our reputation as a welcoming state for everybody is is um, potentially problematic at times. That's something... Now, what that, do you attribute that to? Well, you know, politics can be a, <laughs> a, a problem now and yeah. then. That's just how life is. Yeah. We do want to make sure that everybody views us as a welcoming environment because one of our major challenges in a, in a deep sense is attracting talent. Right. This isn't a, so much an issue of getting people to grow up and, and be engineers here, although right. that would help a lot. But the simple fact is that as we see the metro area grow at a faster pace than the rest of the nation over a long period of time, the only way you can sustain that is to have people moving into the area. And if people don't view it as an attractive place to come, they won't. And then we're in trouble. So it's a bit of a PR job then as well, right? Well, I... For the chamber. It's an awareness job that I think the actual quality of life here is, is quite high. And it's more a matter of getting people aware of the enormous uh, set of choices that are available to people moving into the area and the the overall quality of life. We're not making this stuff up. uh, One of the nice things that's happened as we've seen corporate relocations, Mercedes-Benz in particular, was pretty good about looking. That's a big win, yeah. Yeah, but they came and looked around at at the neighborhoods and, you know, said, look, within, you know, a a relatively short commute, you could be in urban setting in Midtown, you could be on a horse farm in Conyers, (laughs) and you could afford to do most of this stuff. There's an enormous variety of lifestyle choices that are available here that you can actually do that are not true in a lot of our competing cities. Yeah, you look at those competing markets and they have they check a lot of boxes, but some of their challenges on their on their um, you know list, if you will, would be 
know, not just traffic, because every major city has right. that, right? So just, right. you can almost kind of uh, take that off the list, right? But right. it's it's the climate in terms of weather is, and, and the business climate as well. Yes. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, we had, before he was Attorney General, Chris Carr as Commissioner of um, Economic Development for the state of Georgia, talking about Georgia being a very pro-business state. Yeah, that's part of the business climate that we lobby hard to maintain. We are a very pro-business state, legislatively and cost of doing business. The simple fact is that it costs less to do business here than it does in pretty much any other state. There are a lot of reasons for that. And I I think, again, this is not so much, well, it is a marketing issue. It's making people aware of what is here, that if you look at the overall cost of doing business, we end up being rated in any kind of credible rating sense as as the best state to do business in. Well, we love um, anything that's pro-business, being the pro-business channel. (laughs) Well, yeah, uh, this is not accidental. Right, right, right. That that we are here because we have you know made decisions along the way to be pro business and to have a thriving economy. Yeah, it's a, it's a very concerted effort by a lot of moving parts and parties. I mean, uh, I mean, you look at we had a representative in talking about you know one in industry in particular, which is a lot of people are aware of just because of its presence and its notoriety. The uh, film and television production yes. industry, seven point two billion dollar revenue stream in for it, the state, right? Right, and you know it gets bigger, yeah, you know, over time <laughs> right. rapidly. Another kind of underappreciated aspect of that is the esports uh, component. Okay, that is growing spectacularly and is just enormous. I mean, you know, the Twitch network has hundreds of millions of, of viewers, right. and it's not. Do they have a footprint here? Um, pretty yes, Turner is is doing. No, some but stuff. Twitch. Yeah. Oh no. No. Okay, yeah. But but the that premise, the, whatever, the, yeah. The esports group, yeah. yeah. I mean, there is a studio up in Norcross yeah. that that holds you know competitions that right, are right. shown on Twitch. Yeah, yeah. So this is something that that is ongoing here and growing rapidly. You know, on topic, off topic, but you know, in terms of gaming, which is not, I don't think, is either one of our wheelhouse. You know, on a regular daily basis, but is just a massive burgeoning industry, almost a separate from the film and television. Right, it's an interactive experience. I mean, where, where do we where do we well, it does, it does qualify under the yeah. the uh, creative tax credits, yeah. okay, which really? is very fortunate that oh, really? kind of the designers, the digital media stuff right. gets that incentive. And so we're seeing studios relocate here because of the tax incentives. Also, because it's just a better place to be that, yeah. that if you think about the other kind of major hubs, Los Angeles, right. talent's a problem there yeah. that we have. Georgia Tech, we right. have SCAD. Yeah. Um, we produce, compared to the size of the market, a, a relatively large supply of, of fresh, highly skilled uh, graduates in that field. And so this is one of those things, again, that people are, are kind of unaware of. Right, right. That, you know, if you look at, at graduate engineering programs that are kind of in the top 10, Georgia Tech by itself has more graduate engineers than Berkeley and Stanford combined. We're serious. And again, people don't understand that. And it's not that we need to kind of, you know, make stuff up. We need to get the word out. You know, so you talk to people in our various tech sectors and they'll say, you know, look, it's very hard to get top tier talent anywhere, but it's easier here than it is elsewhere. Difficult, right, but, yeah. but easier here than, than elsewhere because we are kind of the source of a large amount of, of top shelf talent. So before we move to uh, the National Econ- uh, Employment Situation Report and s- some more uh, numbers on the economy, we've been talking about the film, television, entertainment, you know, attracting talent to Georgia. Are you prepared to give a scoop on the official announcement of Amazon moving here yet? (laughs) No, I'm not. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Next topic, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things about that whole process is that Atlanta is well poised to take that kind of inflow of jobs. 
that you know you need a relatively large economy that has seen very very rapid growth right. in the past and we have the kind of social infrastructure set up to be able to handle that that right now we're adding jobs at around 40 or 50,000 a year which is down considerably from where we were a year and a half ago but a year and a half ago you know we were seeing jobs added on a year over year basis of about 140,000 jobs wow and the ability to absorb that that kind of influx of, of job creation is something that not another lot of metros uh, have the capacity to do or have the experience doing. And, right. and we do. That can grow into that. Yeah. You know, this Amazon, uh, first, genius effort on Jeff that he can get this kind of press for two years, right? Just the conversations about who's on the shortlist and who still remains, right? I don't know if that was all marketing or, uh, but he's certainly getting a lot of mileage out of yeah, it, right? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. But talking about the structure, so if they're anticipating 50,000 employees. Essentially. Yeah. So it's yeah. not, at, you know, at once, because I'm just thinking, you know, you look at most any city within the metro Atlanta area, very few cities that even have that total population. I, mean, right. I, I just moved from Sandy Springs, there's 40,000, but, you know, during the work week, it balloons to 100,000. I mean, that's that's like an entire, you know, city. Yeah, I, I think you really have to think about it as a metro area, yeah. not as an individual city. You know, we've got about 2.7 million workers right. in, in the metro Atlanta area. So as that kind of ramp up. We have the ability to handle to, that over to time. Yeah. That. All right. So you're listening to uh, Georgia Business Radio. Rich Casson over here alongside uh, Keith, uh, our uh, engineer. So far, so good, man. We doing okay? Uh, yeah, we're doing <laughs> great, Rich. Doing great, buddy. All right. Just want to do it. We'd like to do a sound check midpoint during the show. We're still on the air, right? Yeah. We're still live. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we're having a great conversation with uh, Tom Cunningham. He's the uh, Senior Vice President and Chief Economist at the Metro Atlanta Chamber. Uh, we're going to pivot now to um, a combination of uh, the state and national outlook in terms of jobs and employment. So some of the stat you shared with us earlier, you mentioned that the job number gains, the nation added 213,000 jobs, well above the expectation of 190,000. Last month, yes. Yeah, let me talk about this in, in sort of a, a grand sense that yeah. would be really useful for particularly Atlanta uh, listeners. The Atlanta economy has grown faster than the nation for a long period of time. Starting in the 60s, we were about the same size as Birmingham. And there was a great deal of competition between Birmingham and Atlanta. Birmingham had steel. Uh, we had fizzy water. And <laughs> and uh, it turned out that one was better than the other. And around the time of the civil rights movement, there was a real divergence. And I can't ascribe that to the civil rights movement per right. se, but it's a striking coincidence that starting in the 70s, Atlanta started to grow at a much faster pace than other cities in the Southeast. And by outgrowing the rest of the nation, for a long period of time, it had to be the case that we started to look like the rest of the nation, that we were taking in businesses and people from all over the country and, and to a large extent around the world. And as that process happens, we look more like the rest of the nation. And so the reason I say all this is because when we talk about the Metro Atlanta outlook, it looks an awful lot like the national outlook on a little bit smaller scale. But we are so closely aligned with kind of the industrial structure of the rest of the nation. I mean, there are obviously some areas where we're stronger than others. Right. But by and large, that's not true. By and large, we have a very diverse economy that looks an awful lot like the rest of the nation. So as a consequence, the risks to the national outlook are pretty much the same as the risks to the metro outlook. And, and let me just throw out just a cool factoid that All right. <laughs> uh, if you took the metro economy as an individual country, we're bigger than Ireland. Um, really? Um, not just not Georgia, just Metro Atlanta. Just Metro Atlanta. 
people don't really appreciate how large the metro economy is. We're more than a third of a trillion dollars. And that puts us fairly high up in the list of countries, wow. if you think about that. And so that is an amazing factoid. We need to hashtag that, yeah. Yeah. So the deal is, you know, we're we're big. And as you get big, it becomes harder and harder to kind of hang your hat on one particular industry. Right. Yeah. That you have Which to is good and bad. Right. That, yeah. That's exactly right. And and so when we talk about kind of job creation in the US, the Metro Atlanta is sort of a microcosm of that, although there is this issue that kind of over time, since we've been growing at a faster pace than the rest of the nation, we do have to continue to attract people into the area. Now, over the last year, we've slowed a little bit. Right. And what we have done is slowed to the pace of the rest of the nation. Okay. So it's not exactly <laughs> Was that like intentional what, or just uh, uh, No, I, th- yeah. I, I think that was largely accidental, uh, yeah. that we had an awful Or maybe just of, a check, right? Um, well, this is all random, and, yeah. and it's not all random. There's an underlying force to it. But kind of the, the monthly numbers from one month to the next are have, have an awful lot of noise. Seeing a little bit of slowdown from from the really breakneck pace of, yeah, yeah. of early last spring is not terribly surprising. Right. But the issue is what's going to happen going forward. Nationally, in a formal sense, we have more job openings than we have people formally looking for work. And that's a good thing, right? Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there there is... As opposed to the opposite. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is a relatively recent development, but having more job openings than unemployed people suggests that the real problem is that, you know, there are locational challenges and there are skill matching challenges. Right, yeah. I think in a, in a deeper sense, kind of the, the headline unemployment number probably is not the best possible measure of, of labor market slack. I think the, the broader measure of, of unemployment, which is called U6, that captures people that are working part-time because they can't find full-time work or yeah. disassociated and all that. that. That's a larger right. pool of workers and probably explains why wages are not accelerating as rapidly as you might expect with a 4% unemployment rate. Right. But the fact is that we have to be very cognizant of uh, workforce development here in the state. The fact that we have educational problems here in the the region suggests that we're kind of leaving money on the table. Well, and that's a good point, too, because if we're not providing those opportunities for education and training, then those uh, folks are going to find it elsewhere. Well, and the, the local population there's that, void. that, you know, we need workers, we right. need coders. Yeah. That's stuff that could be taught in, you know high school or technical colleges, Uh, we have some fairly, well, we have a very good technical college system that that addresses this stuff, but kind of primary and secondary education that doesn't prepare students for doing this. And we have very high high school dropout rates that, again, really, in in my view, are just kind of leaving money on the table, that it's not good for them. It's not good. It's a a kind of a social ill that really is starting to bite on the business environment, too. So everybody would benefit if we we can kind of get our act together in, in this area. Well, some conversations we've had with folks in the studio on this subject matter have been in the, the realm of being a little bit proactive on those secondary uh, schools, uh, the, the whole STEM programs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Really get, we're going to see the benefits of that down the road, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a problem that we have, you know, this sort of generational issue of, you know, if you underinvest in, in education in, in some segments of, of your society. You're going to pay for it later. Um, <laughs> you're going to pay for it later, and it's a long-term process. Right. And and the big problem is that turning it around, costly, it requires you to do different things. Right. And you don't see the benefits immediately. Right. Um, and that's that's a big problem. 
But again, you know, 10 years ago, and and it is 10 years ago now when we were in the recession, you know, business didn't really need to worry about this all that much because we had high unemployment and and finding workers was not all that difficult. But now that's not the case. You mentioned recession 10 years ago. Do you subscribe to, I mean, you're the expert on this. So uh, do you subscribe to this? Is it an eight year cycle? I know they talk about that in real estate, right? In terms of the economy, you know, we're on a big uptick right now. I mean, what triggers would set us in the wrong direction or or is it, it just? It's just part of the market just correcting itself, right? I, th- I think we've had a number of very long expansions over the last couple of cycles. And that prompted a lot of work in the economics profession about cyclicality yeah, in the economy. Right. And I think the clear answer is that expansions don't die of old age. That something has to kill it. And that is some kind of shock. Typically, energy but it could be financial. It could be tariffs. Uh, there are a lot of things out there. That, right. Yeah. But left to its own devices. Um, so it uh, do, it doesn't just dwindle off on its own. There has to be some type of epic event, whether it be nine eleven, which triggered a whole series. Whether it be uh, the real estate, you know, debacles that went on. And one final point: What about now? Is would you? I don't want to be a doomsday, but um, if we don't have systems in check, the, you know, the next on the horizon that could be that big disruptor to the economy that have the ripple effect. We, we've had a, a world-renowned cyber experts here in a cybersecurity, and that's the next um, on the rise in the terrorist issue yeah. is not so much physical bomb, but it's a digital bomb. That's certainly... Right? I don't know. I just made up that term. Is that a good term? Digital uh, bomb? I don't know. Yeah. Well, you'd have to ask the cyber guys that. <laughs> but that's... But, but, you know, I mean... Uh, but that could uh, trigger a whole series. Uh, be, I mean, that is something... When you strike the grid, right? That's something you might want to worry about. Yeah. Certainly, I would worry a lot more about the consequences of the current round of, of trade yeah. uh, restrictions, that that doesn't seem to be slowing down. And um, <laughs> it's never worked out well in the past. And, I, uh, you know, I, that is something to really worry about, that um, worldwide trade disrupt, yeah, disruption, have, or even not so worldwide, just aimed at the United States, yeah. could be oh, extremely disruptive. No, we recently just had on International Business Radio here in the studio, the uh, general counsel uh, or general consulate uh, from the uh, Mexican chamber or consulate office, as well mm-hmm. as the Canadian. Canadian uh, consulate yeah. talking about uh, NAFTA and you know there's some and again there's, it's a kind of what we talked about the ripple effect of education put what you put it what we're putting in motion today if we don't correct those things could be that next issue yeah, or challenge I, yeah I, the immediate issue with NAFTA I think more than anything or the, the one kind of big visible thing although there are a lot of little or less visible things not necessarily smaller uh, is the auto industry that the whole supply chain process of producing autos in North America is integrated across borders and disrupting that with tariffs is not going to help anybody right that you know US cars I mean the kind of the standard um, factoid we like to cite is that Toyota Sienna has more US content in it than a Ford Mustang <laughs> and that's you know something that we really need to think hard about that as product goes back and forth across the border in various stages of manufacture it's very easy to, to disrupt that uh, with negative consequences for for everybody in the industry right and that's not something that's going to help us at all and um, I think that many people don't think about Georgia being a big automotive uh, industry state but I mean with the port Savannah, and we just had Georgia and, Automotive Manufacturing and, and Association Brunswick. in Brunswick. Yeah, Brunswick's a huge auto port, okay. both in and outbound. 
we're, we're doing a conference in October for that. I think it's the Georgia Manufacturing Association representing the automotive industry. One of the things I'm just I'm thinking out, out loud here, the industry is being disrupted from the shared ride service. So it's less cars being mm-hmm. need to be purchased because a lot of people now are not don't feel the need to own a car as much as they need to or two or three cars for the family. And then now the whole scooter issue, right? right. <laughs> There's other modes of transportation that doesn't have to put you on four tires, right? That's certainly true. Um, I mean, there is clearly going to be some some changes there. Are we I prepared those, for that in Georgia? I, because that's I, gonna... I think those are a little bit more longer term yeah. than the problem of whether or not, you know, <laughs> cars get a 25% yeah, tariff, that's true, yeah. um, you know, in, by the end of the year. Right. One of the things we don't recognize, I think, enough, we're not cognizant enough of, is, is the large auto industry here. And it's not assembly. that We do have Kia as right. an assembly right. plant, and it's huge. The money in autos is in components. And we do an awful lot of component manufacturing here. And then what the assemblers are a really sexy thing. Yeah, right, because yeah. you can stand and see the cars <laughs> right, exactly. off the line. All the robots and everything else. Right. But, but it's the, the technology. But the money is in the components that right. go into the car. And they're brought in in trucks from manufacturers really? all over the place. And seeing those components manufacturers move to the southeast and, and a large number of them into Georgia, uh, something that's not very visible because wiring harnesses and right, the yeah. dashboard assemblies are just, you know, they don't make good photo ops. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they're really pricey, and that's where the money is. I can't believe we're almost out of time here. Um, there, I got a lot of other points. We may need to bring you back because I okay. got so many other topics uh, on my mind. But anything else on your short list? I mean, we didn't get to uh, talk about retail. Hourly earnings. Talk about that. That had a 2.7 increase, right? Yeah, that's been, uh, you know, going back to the labor market issues, slower than you would expect with a 4% unemployment rate. Right. But I think a large component of that is this sort of gap between alternate measures of employment. And if you include workers that are working part-time, even though they'd like full-time work, yeah. or people who um, say they would like a job but but haven't been looking in the last four weeks because they're discouraged, these are sources of, of labor that can come online without offering a higher wage. That, you know, you just offer a part-time worker more hours. You don't need to increase their hourly earnings. They just work more hours at, at prevailing wages. Right. And, and the trick is that these two measures, this is getting down in the weeds, but the two measures, the headline unemployment measure is called U3. And the larger... Yeah, we talked about U6, but U3 Yeah, the is, larger measure is U6, and the gap yeah. between those two blew up during the recession. Okay. They had been kind of tracking fairly closely together, and really in, until that gap closes or gets back to where it was kind of by historical standards, right. I think we're likely to see kind of less than robust wage growth given the, the what appears to be a really tight labor market. There are certainly areas of of, uh, the labor market that are really tight and are seeing substantial wage hikes. But across the board, we're still seeing compensation growing at less than 3% or hourly earnings growing at less than 3%. So as we see U3 and U6 sync up, if you will, or get close up that gap, then that's going to be a a great indicator. I I think we'll start seeing more wage pressure then. So Tom, how would folks, what's the best way to to follow up on this conversation, get in touch with you at the chamber or... um, yeah, I suppose uh, so. Home address, sure. social media, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, LinkedIn, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, I think the Mac is a really quite good source of, yeah. of information, and we're trying to make it more so. We're moving more towards sort of an, a 
evidence-based policy okay. uh, set. The Atlanta Regional Commission also has some extremely good uh, resources on the metro area, and George Power does as well. That um, Again, I, I have to say there's a website, 33, 33 North, okay. uh, which is our latitude, which is run <laughs> by the Atlanta uh, Regional Commission, and they really do a, a very good job okay. of providing uh, micro data for the region. Absolutely. All right. So um, in the last uh, minute here remaining, give us, I'm going to have you switch hats here. Give us your best elevator pitch, if you will, for the chamber, why folks should get involved, uh, maybe some announcements on the horizon or what is a typical, you know, they have different councils as well. So different from the sports sector to give us kind of a, we have a, we're, in, we're involved in, in sort of the, the essence of the community here in, in Atlanta, sports, entertainment, business, education, public policy. We are working to make the place better all the way around. And as I understand it, each of those sectors have their own councils and so forth, yes. so they have their own yeah, functions. We have, and, we have a large number of councils, advisory councils, yeah. community leaders that are involved in each of these segments that it's not really advising us. It's just a matter of, of us convening the groups yeah, yeah. to work together for the betterment of the metro area. Yeah, cr- creating those uh, think tanks on those subject matter experts. And again, they do after hours events and um, right. luncheons and so and forth. And we can do I, the advantage of, of the chambers that we can call upon a lot of experts. Oh, yeah. all over the place to address whatever issues seem to, to uh, come up that we need to, to deal with. Well, they've been at it apparently of 159 years. Yes. So I yes. think they, think they very, figured it Very long-lived organization. <laughs> I think they figured it yes. out by now, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tom, uh, it was my pleasure having you in the studio here for uh, uh, this conversation about the Metro Atlanta Chamber. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, absolutely. Uh, same here. Look forward to continuing this conversation in the future and uh, stopping by the Chamber, having more of these conversations. So again, Rich Casanova, on behalf of Keith Ippolito, our engineer, another episode of the Georgia Business Radio. We'll see you next time. Thank you again for joining Rich Casanova and our guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of Georgia Business Radio.